and welcome to The Doctor's Opinion, Happy's podcast series featuring leading medical minds and their thoughts on cosmetic trends and issues that are shaping the industry. With me today is Dr. Ann Ingaria, a board-certified dermatologist who specializes in medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatology. Hi, Dr. Garia. Hi, Tom. How's it going? It's about as good as, as we can expect, I guess, but uh, thanks for joining us today. Born and raised in New Jersey, Dr. Garrier earned his undergraduate degree at Pennsylvania State University and his medical degree from Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School, graduating with Alpha Omega Alpha Honors. He did his transitional internship at Lehigh Valley Hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Afterward, Dr. Garrier completed his dermatology residency at Howard University Hospital. Dr. Garrier is a clinical instructor of dermatology at the Eichen School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. He's a fellow of the American Academy of Dermatology and diplomat of the American Board of Dermatology. Dr. Gary is also a member of the American Society of Dermatologic Surgery, Dermatological Society of New Jersey, and Skin of Color Society. Currently, Dr. Gary is in private practice in Rutherford, New Jersey. Dr. Gary, how are you and your team getting through this pandemic? We're doing okay. We are open for the time being, seeing mainly just urgent cases so as to prevent them from showing up to the emergency room or urgent care because you know, resources are finite and you know, we don't want those people showing up to those areas because that increases their risk of getting uh, coronavirus. And we also need those places um, to be, you know, using all those resources to uh, to treat people who are are actually sick from coronavirus. So we're 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 doing our part to prevent those people from showing up uh, to the emergency room or urgent care. Um, and then the rest of our operations, we've switched over to doing telemedicine. Uh, which we're doing with computer, and patient can use their iPad or a phone at home, and it's been working out pretty good. Oh, that's great. So everybody's getting the message to uh, uh, shelter in place and, and stay home whenever possible. like it. Oh, that's great. So along those lines, what skin care issues come to mind at a time like this? So with all this emphasis from the CDC, and the media, and pretty much everywhere you look, we're seeing a lot of emphasis on hand washing, which by all means is a is a, a must in uh, today's age um, in order to prevent uh, transmitting coronavirus to yourself or others. And so with hand washing, we're seeing people wash their hands, you know, 5, 10, 20 times a day, uh, or also using hand sanitizer. Um, and those... Uh, those things can really take a toll on the skin. And so what we're seeing here is a lot of dry skin, but not just dry skin, also a lot of eczema. And um, this is particularly affecting our healthcare workers, uh, especially people in the ER who are, you know, seeing lots of patients and, and who have to be uh, doing these kinds of hand washing. So, so basically we're seeing an epidemic of this all over the place. And can you elaborate a little bit on eczema? By, by that I mean, you know, what's the clinical definition of eczema and, and what causes it? So eczema actually has um, some very strict criteria for diagnosing it. It's called the Hannafin and Rochka criteria. So basically, um, there are four elements of which you must have three to meet the diagnosis of eczema. So number one is you have to have itchiness. 
Number two is you have to have a rash uh, in a typical distribution for eczema, and that's going to be on the flexor surfaces in adults or the face and extensor surfaces in kids. Um, number three, it has to be a chronic or relapsing rash. And number four, you have to have a personal or family history of either eczema, springtime allergies, or asthma. Uh, so you have to have meet three out of four of those criteria. Um, and in addition, there are also minor criteria as well, um, and you have to have three of those. Um, that is getting into some more minutia, um, but, but really what I want people to understand is that um, you do have to have some pretty meet certain elements in order to uh, be accurately diagnosed with this condition. And what... What happens if, if you said that you have to meet the four criteria? What happens if you only three meet out of four? Uh, sorry, three, sorry, three out of, I'm sorry, three out of four. Yeah. What happens if Correct. you only meet two out of four? Is that then it's something else completely? It, there's a good possibility it could be. I mean, there are thousands of rashes. That's why we go to school for so long. Right. Uh, so there. So so I, I would strongly recommend. You know, uh, we may need to you know look for another answer, or we need to do a biopsy. Uh, it could be something else. And, and what makes eczema different from atopic dermatitis, and how are either of them different from psoriasis? So eczema is pretty much synonymous with atopic dermatitis. Uh, traditionally speaking, they use the term eczema more in the U.K., and we tend to use the term atopic dermatitis uh, more in, Amer in the U.S., uh, so right, but 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 they're both used in both places, uh, and they're pretty much interchangeable. Uh, psoriasis is something completely different. It looks different. the The rash um, is usually going to be uh, very red, thick, flaky scales. Um, it's going to be more symmetric than eczema. It's going to be more persistent. Um, under the microscope, it looks very different as well, and the treatments are different, at least in the more advanced cases. When in, in, in very mild cases, treatments for eczema and psoriasis are actually similar, but when we get into the more advanced stages of it, the treatments do differ. Uh, and psoriasis has been shown to be associated with certain genes. The genes um, for psoriasis have certainly been identified. And what makes atopic dermatitis flare? There's a few things that can cause uh, atopic dermatitis to flare. I, I find one of the most common s triggers is stress. There's just no question about it. Stress can cause a lot of conditions, skin conditions to flare, but especially uh, atopic dermatitis. And we're in a um, lot of... Uh, we're in a pretty stressful situation right now, so I guess Yeah, a lot exactly, of exactly. Then uh, other things are going to be uh, irritating ingredients that are coming into contact with the skin, things that have harsh soaps, uh, things that have fragrances, uh, um, things that have alcohol, uh, 
spending too much time actually washing your hands or taking a shower. Some people take these 20, 30 minute long showers with really hot water. So the longer your body is exposed to water and the hotter that water is, the more, uh, the more it's going to dry out the skin. And the drier your skin, the more likely you're going to get um, an eczema flare. So between washing your hands a lot, using uh, alcohol-based hand sanitizer, and then trying to de-stress in the shower, I could see what you're saying about uh, the opportunities for atopic dermatitis to really take off in a situation like this. Yeah, exactly. So what are some of the standard pharmaceutical treatments for these uh, skin maladies, and are they effective? And what makes the actives in the formulas, uh, what makes them work? So the, there's really, there, there, when, when you're treating eczema or atopic dermatitis, there's really what I call the two pillars of treatment. On one hand, you have to get the inflammation down, and on the other hand, you also have to address the dry skin, okay? So the dry skin goes back to avoiding using those irritating ingredients and then moisturizing a lot, okay? And I'll talk about that a little bit further in the podcast. Mm-hmm. The second, but you can moisturize all you want, but if there is a significant inflammation, meaning you have redness, itchy, scaly, sometimes even blistery skin, then we're going to have to address that inflammation and nothing is going to be able to do that uh, better than a prescription. And, And usually prescriptions fall into a couple categories. By far the most common one that we prescribe are topical steroids. Um, there are dozens of them out there. Uh, we, tr- we use topical steroids. Um, we, we prescribe different ones for, for different parts of the face. So we're going to prescribe you usually something very weak for the face, but usually we need to prescribe something pretty strong for the hands because the skin is much thicker and the medication may not penetrate deep enough. So, so the strength of the medication is going to differ. And typically we'll do that for about twice a day for two weeks. Uh, the risk of side effects are, uh, with topical steroids are very small as long as you use the prescription Uh, as it's intended, which is for a limited period of time. A common thing that we'll see is people who, uh, who just use the prescription, who don't moisturize at all, and then their rash gets better, of course, because they were using the topical steroid, but then it's going to come back because they never moisturized. Or they did moisturize, but once the rash went away, they just stopped everything. So you're, never, you're not in the clear. You really have to continue moisturizing. As long as your body's under stress or as long as you're washing your hands a lot, you really you need to continue moisturizing. So that's why it's not either or. You really have to do address the inflammation with the prescription and then address uh, the dry skin with the moisturizer. Now, sometimes if eczema is really bad, then we'll need to do um, other uh, treatment options. Sometimes we'll do laser treatment and we'll use something called a narrow band UVB uh, laser uh, to address those areas. And people usually need to come in two to three times a week to get that treated. Or uh, there's another medication called Dupixent, 
which goes under the uh, generic name of dupilumab, which is a biologic medication that targets interleukin-4 and 13, which is a more sophisticated way of treating eczema, uh, but that's really more for the severe cases. <clears throat> so how, when you, you talk about the topical steroid uh, prescription, how long typically do, do patients need to keep applying that um, is the prescription for? Yeah, it, it really depends on how bad, yeah, like how severe the eczema is and where the location is. On the face, some people may be able to get, a do, get away with twice a day for about a week or two, what, one to two weeks. Uh, on the hands, you may need to do um, twice a day for about two to three weeks. Some places, you know, especially the really thick skin like the hands or the elbows, we may even have to have you uh, tape it up at night, like use like saran wrap or something like that. That's what we call using the product under occlusion. So, so when you use saran wrap, uh, that basically uh, puts pressure on the topical to basically penetrate deeper into the skin. I see. And so, you know, this, that's a pretty intense um, treatment regime. What about uh, over-the-counter treatments or even personal care treatments? Is anything effective at all? Do you recommend anything? Yeah, of course. Once again, I think half the treatment of eczema is basically going to be over-the-counter um, things like moisturizers, okay? So some of the ones I recommend uh, are uh, Neutrogena hand cream. I think that one's very good. It starts out a little bit greasy, but once you start working it into your hands, it, it, it evaporates pretty nicely. That one has the Norwegian flag on it, um, and you can get that at any drugstore. Um, I think Aveeno makes a good product as well. I think they make two very good products. One is called Aveeno Eczema Therapy Itch Relief Balm, and that has colloidal ointment which is, has more of a soothing properties to it, and it has um, <clears throat> uh, dimethicone in there, which is a skin protectant. That's, this is going to be in a jar, has more of a buttery kind of texture, which I think is really nice. And then Aveeno also has a similar product called Aveeno Cracked Skin Relief, which uh, is specifically used for people who have more of the cracks in their skin, uh, fissures, and it has an ingredient in there called Sika, which um, is, does have kind of anti-inflammatory properties as well. And then another one that I like is just regular old CeraVe moisturizing cream. comes in a big jar. Um, and I also like uh, Aquaphor as well. Aquaphor is going to be the greasiest of them all. It can come in a jar, a tube, or in a spray can, which, which I think is really good, especially for the back if people can't reach. I think the spray can's really nice. But it is gonna, some people can only tolerate something greasy because if you put a cream on there, creams have preservatives, and creams are going, can sometimes cause uh, an immediate burning sensation when they put it on if people have acute eczema, meaning if it's if the skin barrier is compromised and it's oozing or if it's very red and angry, then and, and, it, and if it burns as soon as you put a cream on there, then stop stop using a cream, wash it off, and just use greasy things like aquaphor, like Vaseline, like um, something called CeraVe healing ointment. Uh, I think any of those are fine. 
you, you mentioned a couple of in- ingredients like dimethicone and Sika and, and a few products. Are there any other things? Or what, what could the personal care industry do to help consumers who may suffer from eczema? Yeah, so th- this is extremely important. <clears throat> I think uh, we, we are seeing more and more people having sensitive skin and, and things like eczema is on the rise. So I think personal care industry can really help in a variety of ways. Uh, number one, uh, in terms of using less fragrance, I think this is extremely important. A lot of, you know, for example, men's products have uh, certain things in there to give it like a musky uh, a scent or to give that kind of skin cooling sensation to give the impression that something's working like putting menthol and things like that but but that that that's just an example but we see this kind of all across the board especially if you go to you know um, bath and body works or the body shop you're just going to see a whole ton of products that have a lot of fragrance in there and uh, the more fragrances that are in there uh, the more likely people are going to have either either it's going to um, uh, exacerbate their eczema or they may get a straight-up allergic reaction to it, okay? Um, I would also recommend using uh, fewer harsh ingredients. I Now, I understand some products, you know, but by, by harsh ingredients, the, really the two ones that, could, that come to mind are things like sulfates, sodium lauryl sulfate, and cocomidopropyl uh, betaine. Um, these are harsh surfactants. Um, and some products, I understand, you maybe you do need to put it in there, but maybe we could try to get away with a lower concentration or just lesser amount of it. Uh, I would also recommend putting certain ingredients that are going to be more nourishing for the skin or have a skin protectant uh, uh, quality to them. So like I said before, things like dimethicone, uh, petrolatum, ceramides, uh, and hyaluronic acid, um, uh, aloe vera has a skin soothing um, capability to it. And then also things like, um, which sound a little unusual, but things like uh, triglycerides and cholesterol um, has been shown to also, um, you know, replete the uh, fatty uh, components of the skin cells, which are completely stripped. The sebum of the skin is stripped from detergent. So we have to replete these things somehow, some way. So things that do have um, a fatty component to it, like uh, triglycerides and cholesterol, can be very helpful. Wow. So uh, there are such things as good fats, especially when it comes to skin care, I guess. Um, Absolutely. Dr. Gary, one more question. Um, you mentioned that more people have sensitive skin. Why is that? I think it's for the same reason um, that people that, that we're seeing sensitivity to a lot of things, that, that we're seeing sensitivity to um, uh, peanut allergies, and we're seeing more asthma. And, and I think this has to do with, um, number one, uh, our, our skin or our body's immune system is not challenged in the way that it was in previous generations, meaning, you know, it's what we call the hygiene hypothesis. So if, you're, if we're not getting infections, that regular bacterial and viral infections, our immune system is basically, we're going to be more inclined to developing um, uh, certain kinds of 
autoimmune and allergic conditions. That's what we call the hygiene hypothesis. And we tend to see, for example, things like eczema, we tend to see that occur more frequently in people who are just generally considered allergic people, uh, people who have seasonal allergies or asthma. Okay, so uh, I think that's um, a big, big thing here. And that's called the hygiene hypothesis. You, your listeners can look it up. It's just a very, very um, important concept to understand. Uh, the second reason why I think we're le- second and third reasons why I think we're seeing a lot of sensitivity is because um, everybody we're living in an age where people are just people are skincare obsessed. You can you know that this is if you go on Instagram you're going to see it everywhere. People are you know trying these ten or twenty step Korean beauty regimens and and um, and so we're seeing a whole bunch of allergic reactions or skin irritation happening because everybody, just skincare is such a popular thing these days, but, but there's a right and wrong way to adopt new products. So, so we're having a deluge of new products, skincare products, that were being um, forced upon by Instagram and things like that. So, so, we have, so we're seeing um, the consequences of that. And the third reason is I think it's also where we're just becoming more, um, it, it's being diagnosed regularly now. We now know that almost anybody can have sensitive skin in the right uh, conditions. Okay, so I think a lot of um, patients as well as doctors are more uh, in tune and, 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 and with sensitive skin and it's more on the radar. And when we talk about it more with patients these days as well. Oh yeah, we find that uh, skincare is always our most popular issue, whether it's in print or online. This is going to be a, certainly a, uh, a popular podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Garia. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Stay safe. You've been listening to The Doctor's Opinion, Happy's podcast series devoted to the latest medical and consumer news in skin care and hair care. 